Welcome to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to people who want to speak more as a way to build their income and grow their business. Well, welcome everyone to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. Our topic today is how to increase your profits using idea shaping. Hmm, I bet you're curious what that is, and I can't wait to talk to you more about it. Um, Models or formulas are great ways to kind of organize your thoughts into digestible pieces for your audiences. And the fabulous Neen James has been out and about talking about this for a number of years. You know, it's just so important. And so she's got a new idea hmm, called Idea Shaping that we'll talk to her about in a minute. But before we get to that, today's podcast has been sponsored by our Emerging Speakers free webinar. It's called How to Accelerate Your Speaking Business, and we'll walk you through the most important steps to getting your business off the ground quickly. We talk about positioning and marketing and how to develop the products and services you'll need to advance your business more quickly. Now, here's the link. It's wealthyspeakeru.com forward slash emerging. We'll put that in the show notes as well. It's wealthyspeakeru.com forward slash emerging. So we're here talking today about how to develop models that are going to bring you more business and thus more profits. And we just got Neen James on the line with us. Neen, I'm so happy you're here. G'day gorgeous. What a treat to serve your listeners. I'm so excited about this. (laughs) Uh, People are probably thinking, hmm, she sounds Canadian, not. Why don't you tell us uh, a bit of background and share with people how you came across the pond and from where and a little bit about your speaking journey. Well, honey, I think Canadians and Aussies are very similar in so many ways. So I am quite happy to be an honorary Canadian. (laughs) I think we share a similar sense of humor. We share a similar outlook on life. Now, for people who are listening who maybe I haven't met before, I understand I sound like I'm five. (laughs) And um, I'm totally okay with that if you are too. I've made my profession uh, as a full-time keynote speaker for, gosh, over 15 years now. I hail from Sydney, Australia, and I relocated to this tiny little place called Doylestown, Pennsylvania. So imagine, if you will, that there are like cows 10 minutes from my house and my view used to be Sydney Harbour. So it was a little bit of a culture shock. But I think that the beauty of being a professional speaker is you can really work from anywhere. I had the privilege of creating my business, Jane, from scratch. Like I literally knew no one except my husband, my cat, and my realtor. I mean, that was pretty much the extent of my network. And I built my entire practice as a keynote speaker, literally one connection at a time. And what I've really learned about the speaking journey is, and you hear this cliche so much, but the more you speak, the more you speak. And you know whether you've got emerging speakers listening to this, Jane, or whether you have, you know, the very advanced speaker, that all of them know that each time they stand and deliver a absolutely brilliant presentation, they're going to get what my friend Drew Davis calls stage side leads. So those people who come up to you after your presentation and say, hey, I love this. Can you come and speak at our event? Mm-hmm. And so for me, my whole business has been built in the US on that one connection at a time, one speech at a time. But the thing that we're going to talk about today, which I am so excited about, mm-hmm. is something that I believe really helps us commercialize our ideas. When you take those ideas, Jane, 
and you commercialize them in a way that only you can talk about. That's how you go from being emerging to intermediate to really holding a place in the advanced speaking realm. And I've worked with some of the greatest speakers and I'm happy to share some of those examples today in our time together. But for me, I think there is no greater time to be a speaker than today. Mm. Mm. And what you just talked about, the stage, I love your language, stage side leads. That's what we call here, be good marketing. You were so good that it just led to more and more and more business and, and uh, spinoff is the king here. And I think that this idea that we're talking about, uh, which you've just renamed, you've rebranded idea shaping. Um, it's perfect. It, it's perfect. It goes right in line with the idea of be good marketing. So tell us what idea shaping is. Idea shaping is how you can really take your ideas and create a contextual model so people can see your ideas. They can hear your ideas through your speech, but what you really want to do to stand out is give your audience something that they can remember. Be so good. Be able to simplify your ideas in a contextual model so that they can maybe draw it on a napkin at the cocktail event after your keynote, Mm -hmm. that they can then take it back to their team and explain to them how that works by having ideas shaped in a way. And think about it. I mean, really, the best models you know. Remember the late Stephen Covey had the quadrant model, which... I mean, that's just a square, right? The food industry in the US and I think internationally has a so-called food pyramid, which is really just a triangle. Now, whether you believe in that or not, what they've done is they've taken their concepts, their philosophy, their values, their beliefs, and they've put it into a shape. So idea shaping is the simplicity of taking your ideas Mm. and being able to visually represent your brilliance in a way your audience will understand. Now, I've had the privilege of working with great speakers, some advanced speakers, many of your listeners would know, people like Jay Bayer, and helping him create some great models. Melissa Agnes wrote a brilliant book called Crisis Ready. I was so fortunate to help her with the ideation of the model that is really the basis of her book. And it is truly one of the best books that I have seen produced from a quality point of view. But the way that she's taken this idea of crisis readiness Her model is truly one of the sexiest models that I've seen. It has such depth to it. Mm. Idea shaping is valuable not just as a speaker, but for people who are listening to this podcast, they might also do training programs. Mm -hmm. So it could be formula, your formula in an idea that you then teach across modules. Some of the people listening might also consult as well. And so part of their speaking practice might include the fact they have such deep relationships that clients are asking for more. And so idea shaping can be used. What I've noticed for myself, Jane, is when I include my contextual models for my intellectual property in my proposals, Mm -hmm. then my chances of closing that opportunity are so much higher because people see there's depth of IP. So the way that idea shaping makes you more money is not just on stage in your slides, but in your proposals to show you are truly the subject matter expert for that particular topic. All right. And and we say, you know, label everything so that it kind of becomes yours. So here at, um, you know, the wealthy speaker, we had a contextual module of ready, aim, fire. That was, that's kind of like the most basic one. Um, But really ready, aim and fire all do go into a fair amount of depth. You know, I never would have ever thought about 
I don't really go for the same kind of proposals that you do anyway, but I would have never thought about putting it in the proposal. That's so smart. Yeah, yeah. and when I think about it, like you know how you said, like create your language, create these mm-hmm. phrases, memorable phrases, yeah. things that make you stand out. as Little, tr- little TMs after everything you say. Exactly. <laughs> and in the same way, like Drew Davis is a great speaker and the one who came up with stage side leads, right? Mm. So I truly believe in attribution. When you have a great phrase, you always give attribution to that person. I'm happy to put a, a link in the show notes to his brilliance. Yes. But one of the things to consider is that when you put these idea shapes, these contextual models into your proposals, you're showing depth of IP, you're standing out. And I know you help speakers really stand out in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. And you also can use the idea shape in your actual keynote. So for example, if you're trying to bring more physicality to your keynote, more audience interaction, by drawing the shape with your body, using your hands, your facial expression and blocking on stage, you can then help them understand visually your ideas. So when I've worked with very advanced speakers in building their contextual models, I've shown them how to physically include in their presentation how to use their contextual model. Now, you may remember I wrote a book called Folding Time. And Folding Time, the basis of the entire book is a Venn diagram. So I draw that with my hands on stage. I show them where the arrows go. I show where the words intersect. Mm-hmm. And while people are listening to this, they can't physically see me doing it. We all remember from school that a Venn diagram is just three circles that interact, right? right. And right. so contextual modeling, idea shaping, if you want to add physicality to your performance, mm-hmm. if you want to think about blocking your performance even more. And I learned blocking as a technique from the legendary uh, performance coaches, Michael and Amy Port, and that's a part of their rehearsal process. And I realized I could get even more powerful on stage if I was able to show my audience my slides physically. So my wow. actual model I can demonstrate so it's just a really fun way to make you stand out even more so cool and you just reminded me that I didn't even we got so into this so quickly that I forgot to read everybody your bio and I don't want to go back and and uh, do that but I I do want to tell everybody because what you do for a living full-time is kind of around these two books. So um, you're the author of Folding Time, How to Achieve Twice as Much in Half the Time, great subtitle, and then um, Attention Pays, How to Drive Profitability, Productivity, and Accountability. So that's the work that you're doing, and that's the Folding Time model that you're talking about using physically tell us can you tell us more about the folding time model just so that we can kind of see that through yeah and if uh what we can do jane i'm happy to give everyone a copy of that so i'll send you the pdf so you can put a pdf in the show notes and i want to encourage people you don't even have to read the book just go to page 27 (laughs) page 27 will show you the model now if you can imagine and if you are in a place where you can write something down if you're not driving or running and walking and listening to this if you were to draw three circles like a venn diagram Inside the circles, you can put time, attention, and energy as the basis of those three circles, right? Starting from the left. All right, I'm doing it. Time goes in the first circle. Time. Attention goes in the second circle. And then energy goes in the third circle. Now. Energy. Okay, I got it. If I was drawing that on stage, I would take my hands and draw big circles like time. Then that would be with my left hand. Attention with my right hand. I'd show them interacting. And then energy on the top. So my Venn diagram happens to have the circle on the top. 
in the simplest form, people can then see me doing that. And I may even have the slide building behind me. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm doing it with no slides. And so what you'll be able to do is when you go to page 27 of Folding Time, you'll see exactly the basis. Now, if you want to get even fancier, there's about five layers to my model. I can even draw the arrows with my hands mm-hmm. that you'll see on page 27. I can draw the intersecting words with my hands. And these are really important, whether you are emerging, intermediate or advanced in your speaking career, things that will help your audience be able to take away from your presentation, your performance, are going to help them then be able to remember how do they implement it in their own life. And then when they go back to their corporation, to their team, to their nonprofit or whoever they work with, how do they take that and then apply it, right? As keynote speakers, we often challenge our audiences with some big concepts, But can you make it practical by showing them these tools? Now, we know that in every audience we have, Jane, Mm -hmm. there are people who learn by listening to you. There are people who learn by seeing you. There are people who learn, you know, by writing things down. You know, we have so many different kinds of learning styles. But beyond that, we also know that there are people in our room, Jane, who are very big picture. They love models. They love that huge, big concepts. But we also know there are people who are in our audience who love detail and process and procedure. And we have to appeal to both. So, for example, I worked with a legendary uh, person you know by the name of Matt Church. Matt Church is the founder of Thought Leaders Global. Mm -hmm. They have a brilliant business school in Australia. And so he was the one who exposed me to contextual modeling. And I remember the first time I saw him draw a little triangle on a napkin, he was trying to explain something to me. And that's how I got involved with him very quickly because he appealed to my learning style. And what I understood was if I could develop this skill watching that church and really immersing myself in his intellectual property, then I'd be able to serve other audiences. Now, what's really funny, Jane, is when I meet subject matter experts and they start to give me their elevator pitch or their spiel, I literally start drawing shapes in my mind. So it's kind of scary. You know, I will never allow any kind of technology where they can read my mind and you'll see the (sighs) thought bubbles out of my head. because (laughs) People will be like, whoa. I know, I know. And so I, even on uh, on Friday, I was at the National Speakers Association. I was at the New York chapter. Mm-hmm. And some a speaker, a newer speaker, was starting to tell me about their idea. And so very quickly, I was starting to sort their ideas into context, concept, some content. I was starting to draw shapes. And they stopped me at one point and said, what are you thinking about? I said, I think it's a square. I think it goes like this. And they're like, are you kidding me? And there was a person who knows me very well standing beside him. And he said, oh, that's what Neen does. She's yeah. constantly making shapes up. And very quickly, I was able to demonstrate they could commercialize their idea by differentiating themselves mm-hmm. given their experience. Sometimes as emerging speakers, we think that we have to regurgitate everyone else's stuff. Mm. And I know you don't teach that. And I think that when you very quickly get clarity on your idea and you can visually demonstrate that, you can then research that even more, but show people why you're the best speaker for the meeting planner to book because you are truly the expert. In an environment, Jane, where the world's so cluttered, every category, sales, leadership, productivity, you name it, there are 50,000 speaker options for our clients. Our client needs to know we have the depth of experience for wow. their event. That is so powerful. And I'm, I'm kind of literally filtering through my Rolodex right now of my clients. And I'm thinking that even at the highest, highest levels, people who are out, you know, doing massive amounts of business, 
I don't know that they have this in place. And I think even for the emerging speakers, it's going to help them catapult that much faster. This is so exciting, Neen. I love it. And sometimes I have clients, like I do a lot of corporate work, as you know. That's really the place I love to play. I grew up in corporate business in Australia, and I love corporate clients. Some of my corporate clients, the very big businesses, some of the media clients like Comcast or Viacom, they will pay me to sit in the back of a leadership uh, event and just to hear the ideas being demonstrated and talked about. And then I will produce a contextual model and say to them, is this what you mean? Now, one particular event that I worked at, it was a very senior advertising sales team. They are brilliant at what they do, but they were struggling to try and communicate a concept to their people. So I drew them a model. They all loved it. It became their internal collaterals. It got printed for everyone. They put it at their desk. So it was really fun. When you think about how can you make it easy for people to understand your brilliance? If you are an organization listening to this and you're trying to really show the value that you deliver, whether it's an internal model or an external model, models can be used on your website to demonstrate value in your marketing collaterals, in your proposals, in your slide deck, on your business card. These can be used in your LinkedIn profile, on social media, in your blogs. So if you are responsible for any form of content marketing, using visual models can also help people understand what you're trying to say. You know, you're making me realize that I have models, but I don't think I have that visual element that you're talking about. My ready, aim, fire kind of just comes in these three blocks. I mean, it's not that Mm -hmm. interesting and I think it could be more interesting. Maybe doesn't have anything to do with guns, preferably. (laughs) But imagine if we created a sexy model for you that then you could use in all of your beautiful handouts, in the programs you do, the webinars, all of the university offerings that you have. And I'd be delighted to work with you on that because I think what you have too, and you have such a strong reputation in our industry as someone who can really elevate speakers, people know that when they work with you, that they will be able to grow their business. Now, what you can do is you can also create models that have models that are related to them. Because Mm -hmm. you have depth in intellectual property, Jane, we could probably create a contextual model to sit above everything. Right. But you might also find there are subsets, there are other models, right? So yeah. when I'm working with some speakers, what I find is they have, I work with a fabulous Drew Tarvin, who's a humorous, great guy out of New York, and he and I created this incredibly cool model for him. But what we realized was his model was so contextually big enough, it also fit, was able to put his three topics underneath it. So that's another thing when you're thinking about creating mm. idea shapes for your particular expertise, you might have one contextual model that sits above everything. And then you might have little micro models to demonstrate a particular keynote or a particular right. section. I even pull out, and I do a lot of interaction in my keynote, as you know, Mm -hmm. and so there's a particular section where I pull someone out of the audience, very random, I hot seat them using one of my models, I do it on stage, show them how brilliant they are in front of a thousand people, and it's a model that I use. It looks like tic-tac-toe on the board, but the audience is always blown away. It's something that's really fun, and every meeting planner says, hey, can you do that thing that you do? And it's an easy thing. And so you can also think about how can you use your models with audience interaction as well and get them to play along with you so they have even more fun. Okay, I'm 100% sold on this. So I want you to share with us kind of the process of how you, what is it that we need to start thinking about 
before we hire you, Neen. We have to do some homework, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I want you to think about the simplicity of a model is you have to think about, are you deciding on a model to demonstrate a process? Mm-hmm. Or are you deciding on a model to demonstrate value or a concept? So let me explain what I mean by that. If you think about the food pyramid and you think about the shape of a triangle, the triangle, the biggest base of it was the most amount of food. They were saying you had to say whatever that food category was. So so do you imagine that if you you just got your fingers right now and made a a triangle with your fingers, you would imagine that the base of that triangle is the largest piece. So if you have a triangle with a process where you go through these steps, like climbing up a ladder, there are certain concepts that lend themselves to certain shapes. And I'm happy to share with you the cheat sheet that my clients use uh, in order to create a contextual model. So I'll make sure that's in the show notes as well. But one of the things to think about is if it's a process, it probably lends itself to something that moves up a hierarchy that could be a uh, an oblong which is really just like a smush square mm-hmm. it could be a triangle pointing to a particular point when you think about ideas that involve people they often lend themselves to circles because of like I always think of like a cuddle if I'm giving someone a hug that's like round it's circular and so the first thing you have to do is think of your idea and think of the shape that naturally feels right to you because whatever feels right is it there's not a big it's not rocket science it is mm-hmm. literally just what feels right? Well, it feels like a circle. Let's make it a circle. That's step number one. Okay. So you really got to choose what you're thinking about, a process of value or a concept, and then you choose your shape. Then what you've got to do is you've got to choose the words that you believe will support that. If you're trying to treat, say, for example, you're trying to teach someone a process, are there verbs to describe your process? Are there action-oriented words where you could take a whole step and make it one word? then that would be steps in the process. Does that make sense to you, Jane? And so the second thing you want to do is choose, very much choose your words. And the third thing you want to do is give your model some movement, like make it sexy, give it a little bit of mojo. And so a way to do that is if it's a triangle and you're trying to point people to the top, it might have the simplicity of an arrow that goes through the middle. It might have arrows that go up the side. So what you can do is you can give model depth in so many different ways. But at the basic level for people who are listening, the first thing I need you to do is I want you to think of what you want to model for. Is it a key concept or a process? And then I want you to think what shape comes to mind. That's step number one. Just do that. And then once you sort of noodle on that a little bit, then you think, okay, well, what do I really want to demonstrate? Well, you might have, you know, ready, aim, fire might have, you might already have some core intellectual property. Where does that sit? How does that work on your model? Yeah, and, and I, I feel like I want to build it with room to grow it out, you know, because there is a lot under each. And if you build a model, a really sexy model, this is something I'm really proud of with many of the clients I've worked with, is we create the model contextually big enough that it supports your current IP and your future ideas. Mm. So another thing to consider is some of us speak in certain areas. I speak in the area of attention. That's my body of work, which is really the evolution of productivity. Productivity is not a sexy topic, by the way. And You, you know, made like, it sexy. I've had to make it sexy because it's not. It's not sexy. And sales is cluttered and leadership is cluttered and productivity is cluttered. And, you know, there's lots of people who are brilliant in these areas. Mm -hmm. And so I know I often speak for sales audiences and leadership audiences. And productivity is not sexy. So how do you make it sexy? Well, by being able to have that distinguishing 
for me, I am known as an attention expert. I have my body of work has been able to be created in that way. But what I've also found is because of the body of work, it lends itself to be very practical in how leaders apply attention. Leaders being people, the shapes in my book are circular. Folding time as a concept productivity is a circular model. Mm. What I found is by making my body of work look similar with models, I happen to use red in the cover of Folding Time. Red is the cover of Attention Pays. There are ways to link your work together. Now, people may not know this, but I've been in this game for 15 years. Now, when I first started, my first book was pink and it was Mm. terrible And my first speech was like $500 and it was terrible. And, you know, the reality is we evolve, our products evolve, our thinking evolves, but we have to start somewhere. So I don't want you to overthink your model, but I would love you to have a model because what it does is it sets you apart. And then just test it out with your friends, your clients, test it on your, the people you share your life with, draw it on a napkin for them and say, Hey, does this make sense to you? Or when I draw this, what does that mean? So start doing a little bit of user testing. And the more you say it, the more you practice it, the more you start to enhance it, the more it becomes part of who you are. Right. And, and would you say that sometimes people can get too complex in their in their models? Oh, I did that. Oh my gosh, I did that. Okay, so let me tell you about a big screw up of mine. And I have many, but let's stick with this one. I was invited to speak at the National Speakers Association main stage. So if you're not part of the National Speakers Association, you may not know that that's like one of the greatest honors in our industry. So I was given 25 minutes on the main stage. It was I was big there. I was so excited. And I had created this model for the Be Amazing program that I had created. And I was so impressed with my model. I mean, Jane, I thought it was everything. It was incredible, but it was so, so complex. Ah. Now, I was proud of the fact that it had like 15 layers to it. And very quickly, I buzzed it behind me. I didn't spend a lot of time on it in my speech. And um, I was starting to pursue that before the Attention Pays book was written. And then I kept thinking, why aren't people remembering this? Like, it's so easy to me. It makes so much sense to me. And the challenge for many of us, when we're really good at what we do, it's intuitive, right? We, we live in our own intellectual property day in, day out. We just assume people know what we're talking about. Right. And I was just like, this model's beautiful. It's sexy. It makes sense. It had alliteration. It had movement. It had color. It was awesome. <laughs> and a very, very smart and dear friend of mine, his name is Clay A. Bear. We all affectionately call him the brain. He's a great speaker. Yeah. Um, and he said, oh, Neen, I think it's too complicated. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? And I was like, oh, man, I hate that he was right. So to your point, <laughs> we overthink them, we overcomplicate them. Yes. And by the way, I'm the queen of models. I love contextual models. I love to take ideas and shape them. But even in front of thousands of my peers, now my peers may not realize just how complicated it was, but when I watched the video afterwards, I was like, oh, man. But in that same presentation, I surprised both Mark Sanborn and Scott McCain, two people you know and many of your listeners would be aware of. I read their books, I created a contextual model, and I said in my presentation, if I was Sanborn, the the Fred Factor might look like this. If I was Scott McCain the model might look like this. And then the two men were sitting in the audience going, I want that model. Yeah, like, that's that really model. cool. And to be able to like, show people, 
how you do it is so very, very important. Okay, let me just make sure. Have we gone through the process? Do you start with the process? It, it could be a process. It could be about value. It could be a concept. Mm-hmm. Then you look at your verbs. Then you're looking to build. Well, not necessarily always verbs. Just a little okay. slight tweak on what you said. You choose your shape first. So okay. you choose your what you're going to do, your concept or your process. Then you choose your shape. Then you choose your words. Then you choose your movement. Words. The movement is really just the arrows because maybe they're not verbs. You know, maybe you have a conceptual model and it's not a process. Maybe you're just talking about key things. Right. So I'm suggesting maybe if you do a process model, definitely use verbs because it gives people an idea of what they have to do. But if it's a concept... Uh, like ready, aim, fire. I mean, they actually are verbs, so it's kind of nice and easy. Okay. But do you know what I'm saying? Like, I think yeah. we need to just not get attached to a particular thing. Anything in particular. Okay, good. Yes, I had missed a couple of steps there. And then, um, okay, did we get all the way through that then? I want. I don't want to miss anything. So here's, here's a, a concept that we talk about in our super simple speech formula that we put in the Epic Keynote book. Um, the idea just that, every speech really only needs to have three key ideas. Talk about what you think about threes and whether or not that's uh, a good idea. Epic Keynote, brilliant book, by the way. If you are listening to this and haven't read it, and I'm not saying that just because you wrote it. I'm saying it is a brilliant book. And I think it is, you know, what you did and delivered the value in that book was phenomenal. I love that when you think about threes or triads, that when you look at nature, there's a lot of things in threes. If you look at religion, there's a lot of things in threes. And, you know, very early in my uh, my learning and development career, I remember having a teacher who said people will remember three concepts, but that's about all. And so I do, even in my keynotes today, I have an opening story and an interaction. I have three main points and I have a closing. And the formula That's the formula. That's the super it's simple speech formula. formula. You're running it. Yes, okay. Yes, honey, I know. And I also believe, too, that if you give people more than three ideas, you're making it a little more challenging that for them. I know my own self that I do struggle. With, like, you know when people start to give you directions and they say, okay, go out of your driveway and then you go left and then you go right, and then I've lost track and I just glaze over because I'm not necessarily an audio learner either. You're so like I need to full. Yeah, yeah. And so in a world where people are struggling because they're overwhelmed, they're overstressed, they're overtired. See what I did there? Three things. Um, <laughs> what you'll find is if you can sort your intellectual property into threes, especially if you can include some rhythm and rhyme in your speech, if you can use alliteration, they're things that start to make you stand out even more. I've always said I don't believe in time management, but I do believe in attention management. Mm. And so when you can use language that people can start to resonate yours. with, I think free is really, really powerful. Yeah. And it becomes yours. Some You must have said that to me before. Uh, about time management versus attention management because when I was reading your bio again, I I knew it wasn't about time management. I knew that was not a word that you would use. And so because you've really created, you've created your own market, I think. Uh, So that might, that might be a little bit, um, is it tricky for people like speakers bureaus to understand how you work and, and (laughs) 
you, get, yes. you have a hard time pigeonholing yourself, I guess, is my question. Yeah, because think about it. Like, you know, no matter how brilliant the bureaus are, and I'm very blessed to have great relationships with some of them, is that they have clients who in their mind want a sales speaker or a leadership speaker or they want a motivational speaker or an inspirational. So think of a drop-down menu. I'm not so great on a drop-down menu. Now, you can fit me into sales, you can fit me into leadership, you can fit right. me into productivity, and they're generally the ones. But what some of my bureaus joke with me about is that I'm like the Neen James experience. They're like, I have to sell you harder because I've seen you on stage, I know what you look like, I know what you can do. But even things like idea shaping, Jane, that's really hard. Now, once a client sees it, they want it. I was yeah. fortunate to speak at uh, ASAE recently. Nice. And I'm not even kidding. It literally 100 people said came up and gave me their business card. Like it blew my mind. It was wow. my very first experience with ASAE. So just so people listening to this know, I'd never spoken for them before. But what was lovely was when they saw me do one of my models with an audience member, they said, I need that in my company. Right. And as soon as they got off stage, I got a text from someone that said, can you come and keynote for us in April? That's what we call what Drew Davis calls stage side referrals. Stage side. So when you think about you are the best person to create idea shapes for your brilliant intellectual property. Mm-hmm. And then if you do want help, we're going to give you a cheat sheet in the podcast. You can certainly have a look at some articles I have on my website. We'll make sure you've got all the links for that. Mm-hmm. But if you're serious about this business, if you're serious about having longevity in this business, this is a long game. You are right. There is There was no attention category before. Now, some bureaus understand it as focus, focus slash productivity. Like mm-hmm. I said, productivity is not sexy. Right. So I've had to give my bureaus sales language to yeah. help them when they include me in a pitch. Right, right. Really, it's, it's more of... It's you can work app- with bureaus or not. Yes. Yeah. It's more the application than the category. And I think that's a lot of times, you know, uh, the idea that you're doing can apply to salespeople and they can use it in their lives very effectively. But it's not necessarily in the sales category. And I think but, yeah. it's sometimes hard for people to pigeonhole. Well, This has been brilliant. I'm so excited that we did this podcast and I cannot wait to talk to you about, you know, of course, every one of us, I think, is um, in need of these ideas because being able to show your clients how you're going to help them visually just takes it to the whole next level. Okay, so if our listeners want to know more which, what's the first step for getting involved with you with this? Well, fortunately for me, there's only one Mean James online. So you can <laughs> just find me online. You can Google me. If you go to the blog, you'll notice that even if you just type in contextual models, you'll see that there's several articles already available. So Jane, I'm happy to make it easy for listeners by just thank including that with your show notes. Thank you. And thank Monica, thanks you because usually she's chasing down speakers, but I know Neen James is an organized person and we're going to get these yeah. quickly. Okay, great. And also to think about, like, let's just touch on that for a second, because whether you are an emerging speaker or whether you are advanced and quite a veteran in this practice, I am constantly astounded at how people have not systemized 
the, the tools that they need in their practice. I believe in systems of attention. People who have been in my keynotes have heard me use that phrase. It's definitely one of my phrases. Mm-hmm. If you have systems of attention for your business, as a speaker, you need a speaker kit. You need a media kit. You need a great website. You need your introduction, your AV requirements. You need your bios in short and long form. You need all the tools that Jane helps you build but you need to make it so easy for people. I have a bureau page on my website. I have a meeting planner page on my website. I have a podcast host page on my website. Like we try and make it as simple as humanly possible. And so I think people need to think about the systems of attention and the model that they want to run their business on. You need to be the easiest speaker someone has ever worked with. My, my job is to be so delightful that they want me to come back again and that when I make a recommendation of a friend that they're open to that suggestion. Well, I want you to come back again. And can, sure. we, can we do um, a 2019 podcast around systems in your business and yeah I'd love that yeah being organized and uh, I just feel like you the way you think is something that we need some to I just want to reach through the zoom screen and like rub some of that on me (laughs) (laughs) I would be honored I do believe that the more see I think systems create freedom the Mm -hmm. more systems you have in place I crave freedom Yes, and so do your listeners, and so does our audience, by the way. And if you create systems to make it really easy for people and easy on yourself and your team and your bureaus and your clients and your meeting planners and your AV crew, like make it as simple as you humanly can, those systems make it repeatable, which makes your business scalable. Okay, well, we're going to go into those on a deep dive on the next podcast. So, Monica... Uh, if you could circle back to Neen about this. So neenjames.com, N-E-E-N-J-A-M-E-S.com. Everybody go on out there and uh, check out the show notes because we're going to have a lot of beautiful things there for you. Neen, I cannot thank you enough. This was fantastic. It was my absolute privilege. And thank you for the work you do in the world, not just because you work with speakers so well individually, but because you truly help change the industry. Ah, thank you. Well, if you have enjoyed our episode, everyone, uh, let us know. Let us know that it's um, been important to you, that you've gotten something good out of it. Um, Drop me a line, jane at speakerlauncher.com. I'd love to hear it that way. I'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes or uh, Stitcher or wherever you're listening. And um, thank you for your time. And with that, we will say see you soon, Wealthy Speakers. Bye for now, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Wealthy Speaker Show. Please visit speakerlauncher.com for your free Wealthy Speaker audit and visit speakerlauncher.com forward slash podcast for show notes and many more resources to help you catapult your speaking business. See you soon, Wealthy Speakers.